and welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where we talk about the issues that go on in this world that affect us, and we talk about them through a biblical perspective. I'm Son Edom, along with Dan Delzell. Dan is a pastor at a church, Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska. He's also an author of many articles on a lot of different subjects, of which you can find at the Christian Post and other places. And and Dan, we recently had uh, the Oscars roll through town out here in L.A. They were at the uh, train station downtown, Union Station, and apparently they didn't go over too well because not too many people watch them. I think it was like a record low, which seems to be the the running standard for a lot of things that Hollywood puts out now, all these award shows, record lows, a lot of TV viewerships, record lows. And so... Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem like, you know, things are working too well for that establishment. But it got me thinking, you know, we all like to watch movies, and we like to watch different types of movies. And there's faith-based Christian movies, there's secular movies, and, you know, there's the debate about what we should watch. But, you know, there's a lot of good messages in movies, basically the point to what I want to get to. And so I thought, you know, we could talk about maybe some of our, our favorite movies, um, yeah. maybe the messages in the movies, um, you know maybe any recommendations for movies, although I'm not really one sure. to give out recommendations because my movies tend to, I, I tend to look through movies or look at movies through a different perspective than maybe the average consumer. Yeah. Um, cause I look at things differently, but anyway, so, um, I thought we could just talk about that. Talk about some movies, talk about some, uh, messages in the movies. Um, you know, um, a movie that I really like that we can get uh, talk about in a little bit is uh, blue like jazz. I think it was a screenplay adapted from a book about a, a young Christian boy who grew up in the Christian home and then some things in his life. He sees some contradictions, some hypocrisy maybe, and so he heads off to a liberal college in Oregon and then his life experience that year at college. Um, and then another of mine that I like to actually do promote and recommend is a movie called A Second Chance with Michael W. Smith, and it's about a mega church and their sister church, which is in the, the sister church is in the ghetto or in the poor part of town and the relationship between the main church and the, the inner city church. And so, uh, you know, that turns out, I like that movie. It's a really good movie too. But, um, when it comes to movies, when it comes to entertainment, you know, we always talk about, you know, protecting ourselves, you know, um, yeah, I don't know if you remember that Sunday school song, if it ever, if it ever crossed your path with it, but remember it's, uh, be careful, little eyes, what we see, be careful, little yeah. hands, what we do, be careful, little ears, what we hear. And it's basically telling right. us to guard ourselves, right? Kind of a, a child's version of putting on the whole armor of God. So when it comes to movies, yeah. the first thing I'd ask you is that, um, when you have these conversations, especially in the Christian world, first off are secular movies okay to watch? And where do we draw the line with what type of so-called secular movies, if we can call them that, should we watch? Yeah, you know, son, uh, that gets um, that gets challenging uh, more and more so, I think, for Christians and, and Christian families these days. Um, you know, I, I think there need to be, you know, some very healthy discussions that go on in homes as, as folks wrestle with that very question that you asked, you know, because, uh, I know like for myself, I mean, I was thinking about, you know, my, my favorite movies. Um, and, um, I'd have to say, you know, probably my top three, um, two of them, I think present an amazing, uh, story about, uh, family. Uh, one is, uh, the family man with Nicholas Cage 
And the other is The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jagman, who uh, plays the part of P.T. Barnum. And then another movie I'd I put, put maybe in my top three there, uh, I just think it's hilarious, is the What About Bob with Bill Murray. It came out a number of years ago. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but, but there are enough good options out there. Um, you know, if, if folks, for example, happen to subscribe to, let's say, the Disney Channel, you know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff. Or, I mean, I think about a fun movie with Robin Williams in it called Flubber. I mean, that was such a, uh, you know, a, a fun movie, a wholesome movie, um, you know, kind of a throwback, you know, retro. I mean, you know, the setting is, is going to be back in, you know, probably the 60s or something. But just a fun movie, the whole concept, you know, and, and Robin Williams is so funny in that. So, you know, um, and then a lot of the, the, the just wonderful Christian mu- movies that have come out, um, you know, whether it be, you know, Fireproof or War Room or, um, you know, Pure Flicks, uh, they, they, they produce some, some wonderful movies. So, you know, uh, as, as we know, Son, there's, there's a ton of junk out there that comes out of Hollywood. And, and I think um, if, if an individual Christian, an individual family, if they make a concerted effort, to, you know, set their minds on things that are, are wholesome, it can be done, you know, it can be done. And, and, um, there, there's some, there's some real, you know, funny, creative stuff out there. And so like these three movies that I would put in my top three, I mean, I highly recommend, uh, those for, for folks. And I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about those movies and other movies today, but, but yeah, I think it's definitely doable to, um, uh, to be able to enjoy some of these different movies and, uh, but also to really, uh, you know, make a strong effort to not, not, not bring trash into your home, you know, through the screen, because uh, there sure is a ton of it out there. I always had a hard time early on watching kind of faith-based Christian movies because they were just so horrible. They were horrible produced, you know, the production value Mm -hmm. was terrible. Message might be good, but it's lost in the visuals. Um, Fortunately, nowadays, like you mentioned, you know, places such as Pure Flix and like the Kendrick brothers and these other entities have come together and really up the production yeah. value to make them watchable. And so, yeah, um, yeah so I think that's a, that's a good thing. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, Pure Flix, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, and I think it's okay, but it's interesting how we have to have these different type of entities out there that will house and, and kind of just basically be, the main point. I mean, it's like you would think that if you went to like a Netflix, Netflix would want to cash in on, you know, these faith-based yeah. movies. And there's a few that you can get on there, but there's, there's a lot that you can't. And so it's just interesting that how that's sometimes, you know, the mainstream, whether it be Hollywood or whatever the case may be, they want to kind of alienate that market because there's a big consumer market group that you think they could be, you know, making some money off of if they thought of it through that terms. But even then, yeah. it's like they want to kind of still alienate that Christian faith because they they don't bring it into the mainstream, like perhaps, you know, and, and like, a, like for, here's an example. So yeah. Blue Like Jazz, we talked about it. Um, it's one of my favorite movies. Again, it's about a guy who's disenchanted with his church down in Texas and his Christian mother, and so he escapes to a liberal college in northwest uh, in oregon and so it goes through his life his father's a secular so he's starting to get advice from his secular father about things and his dad's totally anti-religion anyways so it's a it's a good movie but the movie was made possible by the efforts of fans because there wasn't enough backing and so kickstarter which was like a funding website 
um, people donated. I even contributed myself. Um, but, yeah. but we all donated and raised, you know, almost $400,000 so the movie could be made. And it was wow. one of the biggest kind of, uh, funded project ever to be made off of Kickstarter. And so the, the people, the consumer was the one that actually gave the money for this movie to be made. And it went on to be, yeah. a, you know, a decent movie, a good movie. It didn't, you know, it wasn't a blockbuster, it wasn't Oscar winning or anything, but it was sure. a true example of the consumer, yeah. the Christian, really, this consumer paying for a movie to be made that we can enjoy. And so you would think that something like that would come across to Hollywood and be like, okay, wait a minute. There are some consumers out there that like this content. There are some consumers out there that have money that will spend on this content. And so maybe we should, you know, invest a little bit more time because obviously what they're doing now, when you look at the ratings of their Oscars and things like that, isn't really going over very well with mainstream America right now. No, that's a great point, Sean. And, uh, you know, a movie, of course, you can hardly talk about, you know, Christian movies without mentioning, you know, uh, The Passion of the Christ. I mean, what Mel, Gibbs, what Mel Gibson did with that movie was just phenomenal. I mean, Jim Caviezel, uh, just incredible, um, you know, the role he played as playing our Lord, uh, you know, in that movie. And um, so that that's an incredible movie, of course, extremely violent. So not, not, not for, you know, not for young uh, kids, uh, even preteens. I mean, you, you really have to. Um, you know, be careful on that one because it, it does get so graphic. Uh, but, but you know, speaking of Jim Caviezel, uh, I, I love a movie he is in called Frequency. And uh, that's another one that just uh, is a really uh, neat, uh, neat story. But I, I just, you know, he, he's a great actor. He's a very strong Christian. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys, Son, as, as, as you know, that um, like Mel Gibson, you know, um, they're there in Hollywood. Um, they, uh, they're not ashamed of, of, of the Lord and their relationship with the Lord. I mean, Jim Caviezel, I mean, he's just, he's just really out there and bold with it. Uh, but I mean, just phenomenal, you know, top line actors, you know, and, uh, and others. I mean, of course, I mean, you know, John Boyd and, and uh, there are plenty of, of men and women there in the industry, you know, um, who do love the Lord and, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, they, they tend to get shunned, uh, you know, blackball, I'm sure. Um, many times, but we have to remember though, you know, son, I mean, Hollywood, I mean, you know, so much of the focus of Hollywood is not coming from folks who have the Lord of the universe living on the inside of them. You know, when you look at the Bible, I mean, you know, you've got some real extremes. You've got, on one hand in the Bible, you've got some people who are actually possessed by demons in the New Testament. And you got people who have the Holy Spirit living in them and Christ living in them through faith. And so you're going to have a different uh, outcome um, if, if, you know, and obviously there are many unbelievers who aren't possessed by demons, but I'm just giving the real extreme case. Uh, you know, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you, you've got some real demonic movies, you know, coming out of, of Hollywood. I mean, movies that, you know, they, they don't just deal with the uh, supernatural realm, but they, you know, if you're a Christian and, and, and you have, a, of course, then the Holy Spirit living in you, I mean, you can sometimes discern that. I mean, this isn't just an ordinary scary movie like, you know, like a, like a, say a scream movie where, where, you know, it, it, it's almost uh, humorous in a way. Um, but I mean, there, there's a real um, fearful, almost, you know, demonic uh, um, content to it and, and spirit with it um, that, that you really, really want to um, stay away from because it's just not wholesome. It's just not wholesome for the believer. Um, it, it's not, it's not healthy for your soul. It's not, something that you need to fill your mind with. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Hollywood is, is a mixed bag, but it seems like, you know, uh, 90% of what comes out of there, it seems, um, is, is uh, highly questionable in, in terms of whether it, it really is going to have any value. Now, I found it interesting, uh, either my wife or my kids told me that, you know, the critics hated the movie The Greatest Showman. And I guess that shouldn't surprise me, Simon, because I think a lot of the critics get it wrong, too. I mean, you know, many of the critics, you know, they're not going to be looking at the same thing that you and I would look at. Um, and it would make sense that critics or Hollywood, that they would hate a movie where maybe the, the redeeming value, the message is that at the end of the day, your, your marriage and your family um, can satisfy you in ways that chasing after the world never can. And, you know, Nicolas Cage um, had to learn that there in The Family Man, but it's a really powerful story, um, very well done, um, with, a, with a great message. And uh, I think you might even have a, have a clip from that one, Son. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, that is uh, just a great, great message uh, that, that people need to be thinking about. Yeah, I think one of the, at least for me, one of the lines or scenes in the movie yeah. uh, was yeah. this. And again, it's um, Nicolas Cage, and maybe, maybe okay, you can describe a little bit, maybe you can set a little bit of the backstory for us, since it's one of your favorite movies. I don't want to take your thunder away, sure. so so give us a little backstory sure. on, on, on The Family sure, Man, sure. for those well, that the, might the not movie, know it. You, you, you bet, you, you, you bet. So, um, so the movie kind of begins, and it kind of, it shows a, a college uh, relationship very briefly, between Nicolas Cage and then the gal who she played, her name is slipping my mind, but she did a great job in that role. But anyway, so they, they were the, they were the couple and um, they were either engaged or really had started talking about marriage. And he was offered this opportunity uh, in, uh, I want to say London. Um, and, and she's like trying to talk him into, you know, just stay, you know, just stay because I mean, things can change. You're going to go away for a year and then come back and it was going to all be the same you know, uh, supposedly. And he, he wanted it. He wanted that bite out of the apple, you know? And so he left. And, and then the scene, then the movie picks up like, you know, I don't know if it was 10 years later or what it was. And he's like this highly ex- successful, um, businessman, um, doing, you know, huge deals, uh, with his company. And, um, and then he, he, he has, I won't tell the whole story, but he basically has like this vision of his dream and much of the movie then is, is, is what, it, what it would be like if, if he had been with Kate, uh, the gal, and, and if they had had these kids that they had. And so the whole story is showing that. So his shock of like, what's happening to me? He's kind of thrown into that situation. But then um, the more he's in that, the more he finds the fulfillment that that, that, that relationship with his wife and kids could bring um, that he never, he never was able to get um, – you know, in the world, even though he, though he was being so driven and doing these million dollar deals and everything. So, so then when he comes back out of that vision and that dream, okay. Um, he wants to go track her down now, you know, because it's like, you know, 10 years later or whatever. And, and he tracks her down and she's getting ready. She's getting ready to leave. Um, uh, you know, she, she's getting ready to leave and go do something in Paris or London or something. And then he's able to, he had, they have a real powerful moment in the airport where, you know, he, he, he talks about how, you know, I've seen, um, you know, I've seen how good we could be. He will, he says, I know we could both go our own ways. Kate, we'd probably be fine. But he says, I've seen what we can be together and I choose us. 
which of course is the line that she shared then during his vision that I think that's the clip you're going to play. So during his vision, when he's being torn between, you know, even in his vision, the world and the family, and then he starts, you know, getting a taste back for the things of the world, like expensive suits and this and that. And, and, and he tries to even get his job back, you know, in the, in the corporate world and so forth. And like Kate's like, you know, what are you doing? You're acting all crazy. But that's where I think that kind of sets the stage. So your clip is like right there kind of in the middle uh, or toward the end of the movie where it's like he is, um, he's happened to decide, you know, am I going to, am I going to chase down that dream in the corporate world uh, or, or whatever? So, so that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the stage. So, yeah. So here's the clip with uh, Tia Leone talking to uh, Nicholas Cage. Yeah. And, that's her name. Yeah, and, and this you. is, and this is the uh, kind of one of the main points, so to speak, that hit home when I was watching it. Yeah. If you need this, Jack, if you really need this, I will take these kids from a life they love and I'll take myself from the only home we've ever shared together and I'll move wherever you need to go. I'll do that because I love you. I love you. And that's more important to me than our address. I choose us. It's pretty significant because there's a lot of people out there that would choose their job, choose their yeah. career, yeah. Uh, their fun lifestyle, their travel, you know, whatever the case yeah. may be. You know, we don't, we don't yeah. often, well, we don't, but we often live in a world where we put each, uh, ourselves first and each other down, you know. Um, yeah. You know, the narcissistic person in us comes out and we want right. to choose right. us, you know, so, yeah. or, you know, choose me, not us. In this case, she's choosing us, the family, him, yeah. you know, but usually you want to choose me. And so it takes a little bit of uh, stepping back, I think, to really realize that, you know, there's more to life. You know, we can't take the stuff with us when we go. Yeah. When we're on a deathbed, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody sits there and says, oh, I wish I made more money or I wish I did this. I wish I did that. It's always I wish I had spent more time. I wish I had more time I could spend with well, family. Right. And at that point, the realization is too late. But in this particular instance, there was still time, and that was the, the well, point. Exactly, exactly, Simon. And uh, yeah, Faye Leone, uh, yeah, a phenomenal job there with the Nicolas Cage. And and I think one of the many many lessons that are taught uh, that gets taught in that movie, Son, is, is that when key decisions come in a person's life or significant change, uh, and especially if it involves family, or in this case, like you know, they were like I said, they were either engaged or close to being engaged. And, and, of course, she was concerned in the beginning of the movie that if he took off, you know, maybe it wouldn't be the same a year later. So, anyway, um, those critical decisions that get made then then can set the stage sometimes for a decade or more. And that's what it did for them. It set the stage for a decade. Um, it was such a critical decision that he made that he left because then they just didn't uh, they didn't keep that relationship going. Um, now, uh, you know, at the end by the end of the movie. Um, they're having an opportunity to kind of start at that point, you know, 10 years down the road or whatever it was, 11, 12 years. Um, and so it's a real, I mean, it's a real feel good movie all the way around, but, but far more importantly than that, it teaches such an incredible lesson, um, about when people put relationships above their, their career, materialism, whatever it might be. And, and obviously as you and I know, son, um, ultimately, you know, it's when you put God, your relationship with God above anything else that's by far the most important thing um that that of course wasn't addressed in the movie the family man but that wasn't the that, that's what, what wasn't what the movie was was about it was about the 
the, the, the marital and family relationships there that the Jack that Nicholas Cage had missed out on um, during his climb up the corporate ladder, you know, and he was driven by it. He was good at it. Um, and, and in fact, there's even a scene where he's like, I, I think with this woman and I, I'm sure, you know, she's probably a prostitute, but you know, so he's kind of, I mean, that, that's, that's his sex life. That's his life. No, no wife, no kids. Um, and, but, but he found out how empty that was, how empty that was. So, yeah. So anyway, the family man, Nicholas Cage, uh, Faye Fioni, um, fantastic movie. The other one you mentioned was, uh, what about Bob? And, uh, what about this? Uh, does this particular clip bring back memories? Do not see patients on vacation ever. How many ways can I make that clear? Now, what I'd like you to do is to get on this bus and go back to New York. I can't. I'm totally paralyzed. I'm all locked up. You got yourself here. Barely. Now, getting back will be therapeutic. But can't we just have a little talk? Bob, you are testing my patience. Come on. I've come so far. Bob. I'm baby-stepping. I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm baby-stepping. I'm not a slacker. Check it out. Look at I'm in really bad shape. Come on, please. Bob. Please. Bob. Give me. Give me. Give me. I need. I Bob. need. Bob. I need. I need. Bob. Give me. Give okay. me. Okay. Please. All right. All right. Talk about annoying. <laughs> right, right. Bill Murray's character, you know, sitting there hounding Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, oh, it is such a funny movie, Son. And, and basically, you know, um, you know, Bill Murray is this neurotic individual who had burned through a bunch of uh, uh, psychiatrists. And, um, and now, uh, you know, the movie uh, gets going where um, Richard Dreyfus, uh, Dr. Leo Marvin, you know, he's, he's just uh, come out with this uh, groundbreaking new book called Baby Steps, you know, and, and, uh, and so he's teaching people how to just approach their problems and their fears one step at a time, you know. So anyway, so Bob, um, Bob gets his number from the psychiatrist who he just had burned out last, was actually leaving the business because of it, you know. And so Bob, you know, he, he gets connected here. And Leo Marvin, Dr. Leo Marvin had no idea what he was in for. But even from that just little clip there, you know, Dr. Leo Marvin, you know, very highly driven, highly focused. Um, but what was interesting in that movie there, son, and kind of comparing it to some other, like, say, family movies, is even in that movie, you know, you, you, you learn that, um, that Dr. Leo Marvin, he's so driven by his career that he's missing opportunities with his, his teenage daughter and then his son, um, Ziggy, uh, Siegfried, I think, and he, uh, uh, or Siegfried rather. So yeah, I had named, how could I forget that? Yeah. Named after Floyd, you know? So, um, you know, Dr. Michael Marvin, he's missing opportunities to, to connect with his kids and, and build a relationship with his kids. And then Bob comes in and, um, you know, he ends up building such a fun relationship with the family, but it's just so hilarious because, you know, Dr. Marvin has this opportunity on Good Morning America to talk about his book. And it so blows up on him because Bob's there and I won't give it all away, but it's just a riot. Uh, and it's so funny because, you know, Dr. Leo Marvin, you know, it's like there's a scene where he says, um, you know, to, 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 to Faye, uh, his wife, that um, after the whole interview was done, he said it was terrible, Faye. And yet, and yet she and the kids and Bob are saying, no, you did great, Dad. And, but, but, I mean, he got, the whole thing blew up. And, uh, but anyway, um, it's just, it's just a fun movie. Um, it, it, you know, a little, little different um, angle, obviously, than like the Family Man. But but by the end of the story, you know, Doctor Leo Marvin, I think, 
kind of realizes that he probably was a little bit, uh, you know, it's almost like he's on, you know, this caffeine uh, high for, for this whole time. He's being driven by that. And, and the other thing that's funny about it is that Bob, you know, it's like there was a scene where he's teaching uh, Siegfried, Siegfried how to dive off the, uh, off the platform or off the dock there at their little vacation home. And um, he actually teaches him how to do it. And, and yet Bob kind of was still playing kind of that all being very fearful and this and that. But, but when, when Siegfried uh, dove into the water, you got a glimpse into the fact that, you know, Bob knew exactly what he was doing. And, and it was, I mean, in some ways, some of it was an act. Um, he probably did have some, uh, you know, neurotic, you know, fearful, you know, episodes, but, but it was also just kind of, I think, just kind of a game he played. But, um, but then Dr. Marvin, he saw when his son, uh, actually was taught how to dive by Bob. So he comes out of the house, comes out, he, he ends up pushing Bob in the water. And then the family, they just all take Bob's side, you know? So, so Dr. Mervin, I mean, he can't do, he, he just, you know, his family, they don't understand what, what's driving him, you know, this interview that he's going to have and all this and that. He feels like Bob's ruining it, but it's, it's just a riot, you know, it, uh, Richard Dreyfus and Bill Murray, um, yeah, I, I would highly recommend. I mean, for years, I think, Tom, I would say that, you know, What About Bob was my favorite movie. And so I would still put it in my top three, if not number one. But along with, uh, like I say, fa- The Family Man that we talked about. And then the other one that I think we'll talk about is The Greatest Showman with uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, and so I haven't seen The Greatest Showman. I've listened to the music, so I know a little bit about it. But um, this was one clip that I'll play that I guess kind of started – I guess his role or, you know, he's putting together his circus basically from what I understand. And it was kind of interesting how in this scene, he talks about one thing and then he spins it to another message. And that message is more inviting. So let me play it. Then I'll explain what I mean by that. Sure. Sure. PT Barnum at your service. I am putting together a show. And I need a star. You want people to laugh at me? Well, they're laughing anyway, kid, so might as well get paid. I see a soldier, no, a general, riding across the stage with a sword and a gun and, and, and the most beautiful uniform ever made. People will come from all over the world, and when they see him, they won't laugh. So basically, he's trying to, I guess, recruit some people to join this, what turns out to be the circus, his show. And so he approaches this little guy and wants to have him be the star of the show. And the little guy says, you know, they're just going to make fun of me, laugh at me. And the practical, pragmatic view is like, of course they are. So, you know, you should make money doing it. The guy walks away, no interest. But then P.T. Parnum comes back and has this different approach. You're going to be this majestic general, and you're going to be so impressive that when people come, and he paints the picture and changes it from a negative to a positive, and then it's now more inviting, and then I guess it kind of goes from there. Yeah, you know, that the whole, the whole um, goal there that P.T. Barnum um, started to become seduced by was, you know, he, he had promised his, his – um, his child, well, you know, they were children. Uh, the, the gal when she was older in the movie then is uh, Michelle Williams. 
she plays uh, Charity Barnum, his wife. But they, the, the movie starts with them being children, and then a kind of, and they were they were really good friends there as children. And then, and then when it jumps up to the the current day, um, you know, he had promised her this great life, and she came from this really, you know, wealthy family. Although she was very down to earth, but her her dad was uh, a real jerk, uh, you know, toward P.T. Barnum and so forth. Um, and anyway, he just felt like he wanted to give his wife and his daughters, um, something more than what he felt he was giving them. And, and, and what she's saying is, you know, Hey, I mean, we, we, we've got everything, you know, we need, but, but needless to say, he chases his dreams there then with the circus. And, um, there, there, there's another real highfalutin family who is, uh, uh, you know, very, um, very much in the. Uh, the popular circles there, the Carlisle family, and then he ends up teaming up with their son, uh, who's played by Zac Efron, and um, and there's quite a romance between Zac Efron and then a a, a girl in the circus. Um, uh, Ann Wheeler played that part, but anyway, um, but but also Zac Efron has to kind of learn that you know what his family wants for him, and and this is what uh, P.T. Barnum was chasing after, you know, the world. They 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 want to be well respected in the eyes of the elite. Um, but, but both, um, P.T. Barnum and Zach Efron, you know, came to find out that, that it, it's about that, that, um, authentic relationship. And, and, and for P.T. Barnum, it was with, uh, his wife, uh, who, um, he practically had just left. I mean, in a way, I mean, he, he was still, he was still married and everything, but he was out on the road chasing this for a while. Um, you know, this other girl, uh, lady comes into the, into the picture there, although he didn't, he didn't go for her at all, but she wanted, she wanted him. But I mean, all these things that, that pop up when you are, um, when you're chasing something other than, um, really what's going to ultimately satisfy. And, um, you know, the, the greatest scene as far as I'm concerned is at the end when then he and his wife, now they're back together. Um, you know, the circus, uh, the circus tent had, had burned down. Um, there'd been a fire or their building, I should say, the, the, the building that they, the theater that they'd been in. And, um, and they're sitting there at their daughter's play. And there's like this great line where he says, you know, when everything you ever want, when everything you ever need is right there in front of you. Um, and it's just, it's just so amazing because he had that, he had that at the beginning. He and his wife, she saw that she knew that, you know, she kind of like in the family man movie, um, where uh, Faye Leona was, was willing to support in, in, uh, Nicholas Cage's vision. She was willing to support his big dreams. Why is it always, not always, but you know, sometimes the guy, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll want to chase this or chase that. I mean, sometimes it's the other way around, but, but, um, in both cases, they want to chase these big things that supposedly are going to make them big wigs in the world. And, and they come to learn out how they come to find out uh, really their son, how empty that is. But both movies end in a, in a great place, and uh, um, you know Hugh Jackman is just phenomenal uh, in that movie. Um, and uh, you know, oh, and I heard that uh, uh, my wife or my kids said that critics hated that movie. Well, I'm not surprised, you know, because if you're a critic who doesn't understand the spirit of that movie, who doesn't um, appreciate the, the message that it's teaching, and that um, and, and just the acting that was done in that movie. Um, sure, you're, you're going to hate that movie, um, I suppose, but, it, but it's, it's an awesome movie. And, and, and I'll say this, Son, um, there may have been some critics that hated it. It cost them $84 million to make that movie, and, and their worldwide uh, receipts are, are nearing a half a billion. So, you know, like 400 and, 
you know, plus million dollars they've made. So, I mean, it obviously, uh, a good thing critics don't have to uh, have the final say on who pays to see the movie, but um, I would highly recommend uh, the greatest showman and the family man. And what about Bob? And that would give, uh, that would give a person or a family, you know, three nights of great entertainment and, and also a lot to talk about, uh, you know, at home about, you know, what, what really matters and, and why are there certain things that drive us that, that have nothing to do with relationships, either relationship with God, first and foremost, or relationship with our spouse, if we're married, our kids, if we have kids, you know, what, what is it about these things that we chase? And so anyway, just, just fantastic uh, a movie there, uh, The Greatest Showman. Like I said, I've seen two out of three. I haven't seen The Greatest Showman, but uh, listen to the music, and it's uh, the music itself is actually really good, so it's worth... Oh, it's, uh, it's incredible music. Oh, watch all just for the, that. All throughout the film. And yeah. Hugh Jackman, I think, isn't Hugh Jackman the one that actually literally sings his own parts? Is that true? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's just a good... Yeah, it's so good. See, because he did oh, that, I guess, in, in, in that. he did that in Les Mis, I think it was, when he did Les Mis, he did the singing, and people were kind of shocked and surprised, and then he followed up with The Greatest Showman, so... Oh, he is so gifted, I'll yeah, tell you that guy. Yeah, just from that perspective, yeah. the talent that he has. Um, I, I mean, Hugh Jackman, uh, Jim, Jim Caviezel, some of these actors that we're talking about today, Bill Murray, I mean, what gifts God has given them, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing that it comes down to is, is the gifts that we have, you know, we can use them for good or we can use them for not. That was one that's of the right. things, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but that was one of the things that was kind of my defense, if I would say, to people that would ask me, why do you listen to secular music? Because it's the same thing. It was like, should we listen to secular music, only Christian music? Well, the point was is that, you know, sometimes the secular music offers me the music styles that I like where the Christian music sure. didn't. You know, I, I wasn't necessarily wanting to listen to hymns 24-7. I want something meatier, that's something right. more rocky. And so my perspective yeah. was, you know, I can appreciate the gifts that God give them or gave them. It's just unfortunate that they don't use them for his glory. And so, um, well, it, yeah, it's amazing too, son, how sometimes, you know, as Christians, I mean, we hear things in a song or in lyrics that maybe others might not. I mean, I remember years ago, and I've heard the song a little bit since then, but uh, when Steve Winwood came out with that song, Higher Love, you know, bring me a higher love. And, and I think, you know, many Christians probably, they heard that and they thought, man, um, you know, there is a higher love and, and, and it's found in Jesus. And, and I mean, so you're right though. So I mean, there's some, there's some great songs and great music that, um, it, it may not be a Christian song, but, but it, it's enjoyed by, you know, people, whether they're Christian or not. And, and in some cases, like that song, higher love is Christians were like, wow. I mean, not, not that that was his point in writing it, but, but we, we can look at that from, from our perspective and, and realize where that highest love really comes from. Yeah, and I think maybe that's part of it, too. I've never really reflected it upon that way, but, you know, you can interpret music however you want. You know, there's a lot of songs yeah. that people interpreted. Okay, for example, The Police, you know, I'll Be Watching You, that song about, um, yeah. uh, you know, um, every move you make, I'll Be Watching You. Yes, yes. And a lot of people thought it was um, a love song, you know, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be a stalker song. You know, the guy that's watching her watching you is a stalker. And so the meaning behind the song is completely different than what the vast majority of people originally thought it was. So right. with, with that being said, we can take songs and maybe that's it. You know, some of the songs I'd listen to, you know, with the lyrics, the lyrics are pretty neutral. You know, like you said, higher love. I mean, that could be pretty neutral. Um, and we can interpret it ourselves to fit however we want. So, you know, we can interpret higher love, for example, to be us reflecting on what God being the higher love is, even though Steve Winwood yeah. might not have been meant it to be that way right. we can right. interpret it that way you know and i think that's yeah. one of the things that um 
that I enjoy about music is because it doesn't have to be labeled as yeah. a, I think it was the band Striper and Striper has been up and down with all different kinds of things because of, you know, they're wanting to be recognized as a Christian band then they're a secular band and they're back and forth, back and forth. Right. Anyways, I think, I think what they said was, and it made a lot of sense was they finally came out with, you know, we're just a band playing music and we happen to be Christian too. So we don't want to be labeled as a Christian band. We don't want to be labeled as a secular band. We want to be labeled as a band that is made up of Christians. And that makes sense. You know, we, we're in this world, but we're not of it. So we can be Christians. We can be Christians playing baseball. We can be Christians doing a podcast. We can be Christians being in, uh, in, a, in a band, being a musician. We don't have to be defined by that. It should, def- it should define who we are. But I don't think it has to define us and be labeled and pigeonholed into that thing. So like when it comes to to movies, just because it might not be a faith-based movie or a Christian movie, and then we might be watching Netflix instead of pure flicks, it's okay depending on the movie because there can be things that we can take out of it that fit, you know, our belief and what we've been taught and can make us even reflect upon things. You know, family gives a different perspective on how we can, you know, reflect on our family. It can give us a different perspective on how we reflect on other things. And and so, for example, here's here's uh, talk about Blue Like Jazz. I wanted to play some for you because the movie at the end, yeah. there's a scene. And again, I highly recommend it. Um, there's a couple of foul words in it, but it's it's purposeful mm-hmm. if that's even a, even possible. So I give yeah. that. Um, but but it makes a point at the end. And at the end, there's this, you know, I want to say coming to Jesus moment, but coming back to Jesus moment where the yeah. the main person in the movie, the kid makes it about him but it's also about what he's done wrong and he comes to terms with that so let me play a clip and then um and then we can maybe delve into it a little bit more so here's the first clip i i i'm ashamed of jesus because i want you to like me i want you to think i'm smart or sophisticated or whatever it's like jesus is the geek in the cafeteria sitting by himself and I'm the guy pretending he's not my friend. You know, how many times, Dan, have, you know, we made Jesus that geek in the cafeteria for the sake of, you know, whatever it is in the world. I mean, there's been times where, you know, I've done that, where, you know, I'm not going to really profess my faith. I'm going to keep it quiet because, you know, I want to be a part of the in crowd or I just don't want to bring it up or, you know, I might be ostracized, whatever the case may be. And, And yet, you know, we try to justify that. But in reality, you know, that's all we're doing. We want to be cool. And so, you know, Jesus is now, you know, the nerdy guy in the cafeteria that we don't want anything about. We don't want any part of. Right. Right. And it's just one of those things that hit home when I was watching the movie that, you know, yeah, you know, I can do that. I can do that knowingly and I can do that willingly depending on the situation. But also, you know, I need to come to terms with the fact that that's wrong and I shouldn't do that because in the end, the only thing that matters is Jesus first and then sharing his witness yeah. to anybody else. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Son. It was interesting. If we kind of merge a couple of things that we're talking about here today, this example you just gave of, of the, the guy in the movie who kind of went through that epiphany of where he realized how he was basically like Peter denying the Lord. I mean, not just basically he was, I mean, he was, he was denying the Lord in his heart for sure. And, and probably publicly, I mean, and, and, you know, we have to remember what Jesus said, you know, if you're ashamed of, 
of me, you know, before man, I'll be ashamed of you before my father in heaven. So it's nothing to play around with. If you're going to profess to be a believer, you'd be ashamed of the Lord. Um, but that's, that's human nature. That's sinful man. And so, I mean, you know, not, not, not to beat up the, the guy, uh, just to say that um, he recognized that he recognized that that was not what the Lord was, was leading him to do. Uh, but then I, but then I take it, I, I take it to that next level son where the actors themselves um, have to basically um, address what you were talking about before we just got onto this uh, topic just a moment ago. You're talking about how um, how you know we we are called to be a light for the Lord, whatever we're doing, whether it be you know working at a radio station or as a teacher or whatever it might be. Um, but then I think about like these these actors, these these actresses, son, who um, you know maybe they read a script and. And then in their in their lines, I mean, they they love the part and everything. But in their lines, they uh, would would be asked to say something so vulgar, so offensive, um, so wicked that they would actually use the Lord's name as a curse word. They would take the Lord's name in vain. And 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 maybe there's a director, you know, or a, you know, uh, the uh, the folks putting on the movie. They 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 want that. Well, now now as a Christian, you know. You know, can, can I, for a dollar, you know, for a million dollars, can I go on the the big screen and take the Lord's name in vain with as much of a violation as that is to God? I mean, it's, it's one of the commandments that's so important to God. It's so vulgar. It's so offensive. And, and, you know, it's no surprise, Son, that um, on so many television networks and movies, I mean, it's just it's just sickening how often you'll hear the Lord's name taken in vain. But I, but I have to think about those Christians in the industry who um, have been put in that situation. And, and you know, um, that's a test. That's a test of faith. You know, uh, basically, it's like, will you commit this vulgar sin against the Lord because we're going to pay you a lot of money to do the movie? I mean, that, that, that has to be a huge test because, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain is not a minor issue. That is a huge, huge issue. Um, it's very, very important to God that we do not profane his name. I mean, so much so, like I say, I mean, it's right up there in the commandments at the top. I mean, near near the very top because it's so important to the Lord. And yet you hear it being done over and over and over again. And, and of course, the devil wants people to take the Lord's name in vain. And like I say, that that's a case then, son, where a, a Christian in the industry uh, will have an opportunity to say, hey, now, wait a minute, you know. Um, I, I guess maybe to, to relate it to, to people like maybe in the world, it would be like, if they paid you enough, would you curse your mother in a movie, you know? And hopefully the unbeliever would say, no, I wouldn't. Well, you're asking me to do something even worse than that. You're asking me to curse my Lord, you know, my Savior. So it could be a great opportunity to witness to the director. And and, and I don't want to paint it as though it's an unforgivable sin if a Christian were to do that in a movie, but my goodness. Um, that, uh, you know, I, I would hope that every Christian in the industry would realize that, that if it came to that, you know, if it came to you either getting the part, um, if you take the Lord's name in vain or not getting the part, well, I mean, the Lord said there's going to be a cost to discipleship. I mean, what little cost? I mean, okay, so you don't make a million dollars for that movie. Big deal. You, you haven't gone on the big screen and modeled for impressionable people, young people especially. Uh, it's okay to take the Lord's name in vain. when it, it, It's one of, the, one of the worst things really a person can do. Um, and yet you hear it all the time. You hear people say Jesus' name is a curse word. You'll hear people, you know, say damn, you know, after, after God's name. And, and it's just so offensive to the Lord. It's so vulgar. It's so wicked. 
Um, and again, I'm not trying to say that, that people who do that are like quote unquote bigger sinners. I mean, I'm just saying, fine. We have to raise the bar on that issue for folks. And I think you know, people in the in the uh, movie industry, they have an opportunity in Hollywood to take a stand on that issue. And say, I'm not going to do that. I, there's no way I'm going to do that. I mean, you know, if you don't want me in this part, so be it. But I am not going to profane the name of the one who who left heaven to come to earth and die for my sins on the cross and give me eternal life in heaven. And you want me to profane his name? No, forget it. Find somebody else if you have to do that. So it's an opportunity, I think, for a Christian to really take a stand. I'm still trying to figure out how Jesus' middle initial became H. You hear that oftentimes yeah. in the movies, yeah. and I'm like, where did that even come from? But, yeah, uh, but yeah no, yeah. It's, it's, it's the influence. Like you said, it's the influence that people have, and people emulate that because they elevate these actors, athletes, whomever it might be. They elevate them, and then they want to emulate them. And so what is it as a Christian are we wanting to model? Are we wanting to model the things of this world, maybe profanity, right. maybe you know things like that? Um, or right. do we want to model you know, what Jesus was like, the biblical Jesus, you know, what he was, what he was truly like yeah. and what he came for. I want to play yeah. one more clip because it's, it's another significant point in the movie. And let me just play it, then we can talk about it. Sure. I'm confessing to you that I'm tired of being a hypocrite and a coward. I need you to forgive me. Do you forgive me? I wouldn't know what to forgive you for. Do you forgive me for misrepresenting God? He isn't like me. He isn't, he isn't afraid. And he isn't a coward. And he isn't a hypocrite. And he isn't like that messed up priest who raped you when you were a kid. I should have told you that a long time ago. Will you forgive me? He's talking about the misrepresentation of Jesus that he portrayed in his in his life. And how often do we do that? You know, we we paint, you know, Jesus is to the world how we paint him, how we reflect him, how we act, how we talk, how we are. And so if we're up on the big screen, you know, profanity, if we're in our uh, you know, uh, sexual situations on the big screen, um, whatever the case right. may be, lyrics in uh, songs, you know, these talented right. people with writers that, you know, write about this, you know, in our, in our daily life, in the boardroom, in the classroom, yeah. you know, yeah. delivering packages, whatever the case may be, you know, mm-hmm. we are the witness to who Jesus is and the world is going to see him as, you know, through us. So how many times do you want to, you hear people say, I don't believe in Jesus because all the hypocrisy that goes on. And that was the point in the beginning of the part of this movie was the mom went to church the kid was supposed yeah. to go to a Christian college. You know, the pastor yeah. was, uh, you know, mentoring the kid. Maybe he was going to be the next pastor. And then the parent, mm-hmm. then the mom and the pastor have a relationship. She ends up having a, you know, getting pregnant and it just kind of, and he sees the hypocrisy in all this. And so he goes yeah. to his dad, yeah. you know, who is yeah. a, uh, a non-believer and his dad's like, dude, go to read college. I'll pay for it. And he goes off to this liberal college and then it's mm-hmm. coming to terms with his faith and all this that he's seen. And so the world's going to look at yeah. us through the lens of how we portray who jesus is and do we sit him in the cafeteria he's the geeky guy um do we misrepresent him you know and and paint a false picture of who he is and we're the ones that are the insecure we're the ones that are the ones doing wrong not jesus jesus hasn't done anything wrong we portrayed him as a wrong person by the wrongness and how we act 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, uh, I know, I think that that's a, that's a wonderful, uh, clip that you just played and, and, uh, my goodness, I mean, thankfully, um, you know, we can learn from our, our behavior and, and, and hypocrisy and, um, double-mindedness and and bad sinful behavior and we can learn from that and and we can we can confess it to the lord and he will forgive us and that's what jesus death on the cross is all about um and and all of us who know the lord we're a work in progress so um, we're certainly not perfect but we're, we're trying to please the lord who redeemed us there at the cross so yeah that that, that clip is just uh so powerful in, in terms of the change that jesus um, will make it. That's how the Holy Spirit will come and convict us of sin, and and yet lead us to that place of, of forgiveness and a clean slate. And uh, my goodness, how how blessed we are! You know, the other thing too that is kind of interesting when you take a look at that Hollywood and you look at at things. You know, like we talk about, we talk about the issues of this world through a biblical perspective, and how I can understand because you know one of the um, writers involved in creating the screenplay for this movie was Steve Taylor. He's a musician. Uh, he was also a musician. He's a, he's a movie producer. He's a musician, Christian guy. Um, he wrote a song one time that's some, that was the title is it's harder to believe than not to. And it goes through some of the, the things, uh, why it's harder mm-hmm. to believe in Jesus than not to. And there's, and there's some truth to that. You know, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, it's hard to believe in something we can't see. It's hard to believe in, in something that isn't tangible. And so we look to the evidence, so to speak, surrounding whatever it is that we're trying to believe in. So, for example, if you believe in UFOs, you believe in aliens and ET and space people and little green men, you're going to look to Roswell. You're going to look to lights in the sky. You're going to try to find evidence to right. prove what it is you can't prove. Because you need the evidence to surround it. I mean, that's a, it happens in court all the time. You need the evidence to prove a case. And so if you can't understand Jesus, if you can't understand God, if you can't see him, if you can't you know, realize that he's real, if, it's, if he is intangible to somebody, then somebody's going to look to the evidence around him, Christians, the church, you know, things yeah. like that to try to put into place who Jesus is, who God is, try to make tangible and, and yeah. when that evidence is tainted, and when we taint that evidence, and we give that false portrayal to God. But the thing is this, is that when you look at the Hollywoods of the world and those type of institutions that people emulate and try to, right. you know, and, and take as their influences, it all ends in, in a decay. It all ends in something bad. Not, 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 I'm not talking about, like, every single instance, but it's not going to get you anywhere. You know, the, the, the morality you know, the, the good living, you know, it's, it's, it's not teaching a positive message on a whole, you know, that there's greed, there's sexual immorality. There's, like you said, the profanity, there's the drinking, you know, there's, there's a message coming from Hollywood of what is cool. And that leads to a path of destruction. Then we look over here to the Bible and it has a message that is, I don't want to say strict, but it has guidelines. It has things that we should adhere to for a better living. It gives us you know, things that we should do if we want to live in eternity with Jesus. Basically, it's telling us to, you know, we have to give up the worldly things, the pleasures of the world. And that's hard to do when you're putting your faith in something that is just that, faith. You know, it's for by faith we are saved, you know, for by grace we are saved through faith. It's our belief in what God is. It's our belief in what the Bible is telling us. And eventually that 
belief will pay off and will come true and we'll see the tangibility of what we're believing in. But it's basically right. faith. And it's like, you know, we, we, we take on faith that we're just going to breathe that the air is there. And um, yeah. anyway, so, yeah. so the long point to my talking here is that, you know, where do we put our faith in? Where do we put our influences? What is it that it's going to take for us to realize that the Bible like Jesus said, he's the only way, and that's the way for us to believe. We might not always follow it. We might purposefully yeah. or unpurposely break it and violate it and do things that become a bad witness, things like that. But it's just interesting how people, when you sit down and you, and you listen to people and what, they, what their influences are, and, and even the movies. You know, you, we've talked about a few good movies here. You know, there's a couple other movies like Facing the Giants, um, you know, The Blind Side, The Hiding Place you know, movies that are out there that people could watch. It's almost like the standard of movies and the standard of Hollywood continues to drop, continues to get more into that gutter. And people still want to follow that. You know, the music of today still gets worse and worse. The lyrics worse and worse. Um, And yet people want that. They want to consume that. And it's yet, you know, they don't realize the toll it takes on the soul. Whereas the Bible, yeah, there might be some things that we have to give up in this world, but anything in there is going to make our soul grow and feel better and give us a, a better feel about ourselves and make us happy. It's not going to be you know wine and roses here on out if we follow Jesus, but the journey is going to be so much better than that which we see for people that kind of emulate and follow what Hollywood standards are today. Well, that is that is 100% correct, Son. Uh, it definitely is going to provide fulfillment, peace, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. You know, a moment ago, you said how it just seems to be getting worse and worse, you know, in Hollywood. And it reminds me of what I preached on uh, this past Sunday um, from Genesis 6. And I won't go into all that. It would be fun here at some point, maybe even soon. Uh, it'd be fun to, to go into this uh, over a podcast because um, there's one, you know, hell, the word hell in the New Testament, the English word hell, um, it's, it's not always the same word in the Greek uh, that, that, that they get translated hell. For example, the, the rich man in Luke 16 who was in hell, he was in Hades. And, and he said, uh, I'm in agony in this fire. And, and the Bible says in, in Hades where he was in torment. So that was Hades. Um, what what uh, I sometimes have referred to as like the county jail of hell because judgment day hasn't happened yet. You haven't gone before the judge. Um, but, but, but then the example, the, the, the verse that I was then diving into a good bit on, on Sunday is one I've never really quite understood until I prepared this message. I mean, 31 years as a pastor, I've never preached on really what Jude 1, 6, um, when it talks about how God has, has placed, um, some of these demons in, in, in chains of everlasting darkness and how they abandon their own, their own home, their own domain. Um, now without going into the whole thing, son, basically, um, you know, I, I came to see, and many Christians, you know, Bible students and Bible scholars have linked Jude and, and 2 Peter 2.24 with Genesis 6 over the years. And without giving it all away, just basically to say there is this Greek word Tartarus. And, and Tartarus is defined as really the lowest abyss of hell. And, and, and so when you talk about Hollywood going deeper and deeper, you know, man can go deeper and deeper into his sinful nature. It seems, but, but there are also, if you will, like these levels of hell, and then ultimately even Hades, the Bible says, will be tossed into the lake of fire. But, but Tartarus is translated hell in English, but it's the lowest abyss in hell. And uh, that would be an interesting discussion. You know, the Bible talks about giants. It talks about, um, you know, demons having uh, sexual relationships with women back there in Genesis, uh, producing the Nephilim, uh, these, these, these giants. I mean, that would be a very interesting talk. But I, I preached on that really for the first time probably in 31 years. That led me to 
um, do some digging on because I, whenever I came across those verses found in Jude and Peter that talk about you know so, you know these demons being in darkness, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, a lot of demons don't seem to be in darkness. You know, they're they're out and about you know in the world, and so what's going on? So so we we walk through all that, and um, it's just very interesting. And 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 the last little teaser I'll give on that is you know when Jesus came across that demon possessed man. Uh, and the demons, you know, said, you know, uh, he asked their name, is it we're legion because we are many. It's interesting that in Matthew's account of that story, uh, the demons were terrified um, of what Jesus might do, where he might send them. Uh, and so they said, if you, if you come to torture us before the appointed time. And, and so there's a whole lesson there um, about um, Christ's victory over uh, the devil, over the demonic realm, much of what Hollywood seems to celebrate and, and make money on. Uh, they're making money on, on demonic things sometimes. Not many movies, as many we've cited today aren't that way, but but there are plenty that are. And, and the other thing I was just going to say real quickly, Sean, is when you're talking about, you know, faith and evidence and so forth, you know, many of the new atheists, you know, within the last, you know, maybe 10 years ago or whatever, uh, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, you know, those folks, um, Sam Harris, I mean, they, they, they famously would make this, this very um, just – ridiculous comment. They, they, they don't know really what they're talking about. They, they say, well, belief, referring to Christian belief, especially belief is, 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 is something uh, where you're putting your faith in something where there is no evidence. And, and, and they, but they don't understand really on, on this at all, Son, is that Christianity is, is an evidence-based faith. We're not just believing in some pie in the sky, you know, thing that doesn't not have historical roots um, that, 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 that does not have, um, evidence behind it. I mean, you know, we've talked before in these podcasts about the evidence for the resurrection. I mean, at the end of the day, you're either going to believe the evidence or not. You're either going to believe that these scared disciples, like Peter, who denied the Lord, um, either they saw the risen Lord and they went out and, and became martyrs, many of them, which they did, or you're going to have to come up with some other excuse for why they went out and would have to have been, you know, preaching a message that they would have known was a lie. And nobody's ever done that in history. Nobody's died for a lie knowing it's a lie. So, so there's a lot of evidence for the resurrection. There's a lot of evidence for Christianity. There's a lot of evidence in the lives of Christians who started so many hospitals and orphanages and homeless shelters and all these things. So, so Christianity is an evidence-based faith, but, but you've got some atheists out there who, because they choose not to believe, they want to convince others that, that there's no evidence for it and, and nothing could be further from the truth. So there, there's so much going on, you know, in the world with, with these issues. And I'm just thankful, Son, for, you know, for your podcast and, and exposing a lot of these things and, and getting the truth out there. Um, you know, the true gospel uh, that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus, um, that heaven is our eternal home. And, and then we try to make wise decisions on these issues we're talking about, you know, daily living and careers and movies and everything else, you know. And, and so God, God will help us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. And uh, this is one way that we, you know, encourage one another in the faith by talking about these things and, and, and then uh, having people ask questions and, and so forth. Dan Delzell with us as always. We appreciate your time, your thoughts, your comments, and for joining us on these conversations. And uh, if people want to uh, reach out, where can they find you? Uh, I tell you, son, they could um, they could text or uh, email me at Dan Delzell uh, at cox.net, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at cox.net. Uh, or they can look up our church, Redeemer in Papillion, on Facebook and uh, and find some information there. But uh, but the email would be great if anybody would like to reach out and has a question or anything and kind of continue the conversation that we've started today and 
if they'd like to become part of it, I'd be more than happy to visit with someone, um, you know, especially through email or even over the phone, if, it, if that was something that could be helpful. And for those of you that uh, would like to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, at Edom Rocks, and you can DM me there. Or you can also uh, just use my name, Son Edom, at Gmail, too, and, uh, and reach out that way. But if you have any questions or anything and really want uh, to get a little bit more in-depth, you know, Dan might be a great resource for you to reach out and, and talk to. Dan, again, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to next time. Oh, it's my pleasure, Son. Thank you for all you're doing and just for allowing me to, to share this time with you on your podcast. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening, and do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.